This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are uh, sitting writing in the butt, the, butt, the butt, I don't know, we're definitely not kicking at this very moment. Yeah, we're, we're kind of chatting around writing while we're sitting on our butts, so we'll, right. we'll go with that. Um, and Taylor, you know how uh, a couple of weeks ago I talked about, well, there aren't any sports and I can't talk about sports and it's terrible that I can't talk about sports. I want to talk about sports. <laughs> Go for it. You can I, talk about people who are, are doing the sports talk for the marble racing or sports talking for no, no, mundane no, 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 things no, no. as, you know, the wind blows rolled toilet paper down the street. I, no, not that not that <laughs> high-level sporting, not those <laughs> high-level sporting events. Um, I, I have a show that I watch religiously, and it's called Pardon the Interruption. It's basically two old guys talking about sports for 30 minutes. And if you take the commercials out, it's 22 minutes. So I, that's the way I keep up with sports is by watching that show. And when the two of them are together, they are, they are great. They, are, they used to work together at the Washington Post. Um, one went off into radio. The other went off into doing other things and now is a, an NBA person, a- analyst type. But they still get together and do this show. And it's wonderful. And as soon as sports was canceled, they were canceled. It's like, that's it. You're not, you're not coming back until, you know, until we've got stuff to talk about again, but it's like, it's going to be at least three or four months. And so there, this is gone. It's gone from my life. And the other day I was out walking and they also have a podcast. So sometimes if I can't watch it, I'll listen to the podcast while I'm running. And the podcast is just the TV show. And okay. so I was out getting ready to run and I was updating my podcast list and there was a new copy of Pardon the Interruption. And I'm like, oh, this is exciting. So I turned it on. It was a 12-minute podcast, not a half-hour show, 12-minute podcast, one guy in his attic, the other guy in his living room doing a podcast just like we're doing with a producer. And so they they just record, they send the stuff off, the people put the music around it, and here it is. It's part of the interruption. And it is 98% as good as watching it on TV in this glitzy, massive studio because the value that they bring is not the glitzy, massive studio or the video highlights that you can watch while they're talking over them. The value is the two of them talking together. And it's, it just gave me this sense of normalcy just to hear it. And they said, we don't know how long we're going to do it. They did two, and then they didn't do one the next day, and then they did another one. I I don't know if they're even going to do another one, but I just loved it. And I love the fact that they could do this. You could essentially do what they do in a totally over-designed studio set from their attic and living room and produce the same level of content. And I see the same thing when I turn the news on now. Because everyone that's being interviewed is sitting at home in front of a computer talking into a microphone. 
And I just, yeah. I find this fascinating. And I, I wonder if this is just going to change the way that the news media works. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. I I hope that in some way it changes, for those who want it to, it changes the way telecommuting works. Because right now, there are a lot of people who would like to work from home who aren't able to because their offices insist that it just can't be done. And now it's proving that, yeah, it can be. And I mean, not everybody benefits from a work from home type situation. Definitely people who have smaller children at home are going to have a hard time with it. And those who are extroverts and who really benefit from that face-to-face interaction, or even those who need an audience to be able to teach or whatever the situation. So it's not for everybody. But when you think about how sometimes um, landlocked or um, stuck in a place people are because of work, where they would move, they would move out of the big cities, they would move closer to their families if they weren't attached to jobs, either that they loved or that they were dependent on. But if all of a sudden from this, we realize that, you know, hey, telecommuting can work and some people can be just as productive, if not more productive by not forcing them to come into an, you know, open floor office plan every day, then maybe it will open up some possibilities for people in this country who didn't have them before. Indeed. And it we can spin this back around to authors a little bit, too, because for, for, for a lot of people that are out there, if you're a writer, you, you, you may just work from home. You may have a job and, and be writing around the job, or you may just write from home, and, and that is your job. Or you work from home and you write around that. But uh, another thing that I've noticed this week, well, over the course of the last several weeks, actually, is the rapid growth of authors going online and talking, doing Facebook Lives and things like that, that it's always been out there, but it's just like it's really taking off now. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, if you're traditionally published, and there are lots of traditionally published authors who have books coming out right now, and, you know, what a disaster that you can't get out and, and go on your book tour, or you can't go to present at the library or go do the things that have traditionally been have been done to to help to sell your books. Not only that, but actually shipping books is such a low priority for the world's largest online retailer that a lot of release dates aren't even there aren't even physical copies that can be had because nobody's there to ship them out because there are other priorities. Yeah. And then as an author feeling guilty because on the one hand you realize that you're you're launch that you've been preparing for for the last year is circling the drain, but it's such a small, it means so much to you, but it's such a small thing compared to what's going on in the world. So how do you, how do you promote yourself when you feel like you shouldn't? Yes. And, and there's just so many other things going on. I mean, I, I remember when you first learned that uh, the first Jack and Jill book was when you first learned that it was going to be published uh, between Christmas and New Year's. It was going to be on Christmas Eve. And you were not wild about that publication date. But imagine getting what I would think like early spring is a great publication time. I would, you know, you'd get a date like that. Yeah. You'd go, man, this is fantastic. I've got all these things planned. I'm going to do all this stuff. I've got all my marketing set up. And then this happens. 
I know. And and it's it's such like it's such a double-edged sword because right now so many people have so much time on their hands they can read, but they're not going to be reading your book if they don't know it exists. Yes. So, so it's like ah! But what what I have seen is is like people like I mean last week you you talked about a friend of yours who had written a book and you talked lovingly about the book. If I mean, it would be kind of fun for the two of you to get together in a Facebook Live and talk about the book. That would be really cool. Your fans would like it. Her fans would like it. Um, it would be a way of generating buzz for the book. And people are looking for things to watch right now that's not the news. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm, I, that's super cool. And I'm not suggesting that to. you do it because I know that <laughs> I know that that's not in your makeup to do that kind of thing. But for a lot of people, it, it kind of is. And yeah. like, you know, we do podcasts and it's really easy to do podcasts. It's really easy to there are a lot of tools out there that you can use. And I I have done over the course of the last week and a half, three Facebook live things. And I've never done a Facebook live thing before in my wow. life. And I had no interest in doing a Facebook Live thing, but all of a sudden it's like, hey, can we do a Facebook Live? Hey, can we do a Facebook Live? It's like, okay, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. Because I can, I can talk, and I mean, you can too, Taylor. You can talk. I, I can talk if I'm asked questions. <laughs> but if I just have to come up with something out of nothing, I'm like, drool. Mouth open. Uh. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm, I'm doing something next week where someone said, "Hey, I, I want to talk with this author about their book. Can you come on and just like get us to talk?" I'm like, "Sure, <laughs> okay." You're so good at that. I can oh do God, that. You're so good at that. That I can do. And um, so I, I, I don't even know who this person is, but it, I know who the person who asked me was. But I, I don't know who the other person is. But it's fine. I'll spend. I'll. I'll research them and learn a little bit, and it'll be fine. But it's it's this whole new world that's kind of opening up, and in every every bad thing that happens, there are seeds of good things. And I think there are going to be a lot of things that we can take out of these few months where we're living our lives completely differently that will allow us to lead better lives in the future. And that's that is the way I look at life in general. And so when bad things happen, I start looking for, you know, what's the good that's going to come out of this? And I, I really see a lot. Uh, in, despite all the bad stuff that's happening, and there is a lot of bad stuff that's happening, there's a lot of good that, that can come out of this as well. And for authors, I think some of, some of these new ways of communicating with fans and just kind of getting over yourself and doing it. I, I have a colleague that I work with who gets on, I think, three times a week now and just reads from one of her books. Interesting. Just, and just does it on a Facebook Live. And she does it for like 15 minutes at lunch. And people love huh. it. They, they show up. Um, your, fan, your friend Vicki Pedersen was actually yes. doing that yes. um, in, in her group. And she's she's becoming a social media monster, by the way. She is. I don't know if if you're following her, but she is really doing a professional job with a lot of her social media now. Oh, it makes it's me fun so to happy. watch. Yes, but you know that as something as simple as sitting in front of a camera and reading from your books can bind you to readers, and and they get to know you a little bit better, and then they they want to buy that book or they want to buy your next book. Um, so there are lots of things like that that you can do. There are lots of things that you can do if 
if you are are comfortable doing that kind of thing, you might reach out to somebody who's uncomfortable with it and say, hey, you know, do you want to come on and, and do a Facebook Live? I'll I'll do all the talking and you and ask you questions and you can talk and it'll be fun. And maybe it sells some books. So it's, it's great idea. It's kind of fun. All right, we do yeah. have a we do have a topic, Taylor. So why don't you intro the topic? Okay. <laughs> so um if we had to give this topic a title, I would say it is what does writing actually mean? But it's really hard to conceptualize it in that title. And it's a question that came to me while I was reading one of my own one-star reviews. And it's been percolating in my brain for a while. And the review was, I don't even remember what it said, but in it, it was something about how um, the writing style was really uh, disjointed or something like that. And that made me go, huh, because now granted, for the most part, I tend to not give one star reviews a lot of credence. I, I, I do listen to negative feedback. And when I see the same thing repeated several times, I go, OK, well, that's something that people are choking on, whether they're just not getting it or you know, misinterpreting it or have poor reading comprehension is neither here nor there. If enough people have the same poor reading comprehension, there's one common factor and that's me, right? For for the most part, I find that one-star reviews are kind of uh, not where to get that feedback from. You know, two and three-star reviews usually put a little more uh, thought into what's going on. But anyway, this, this one particular one uh, about the writing it got me thinking, and I started seeing it, that that phrasing come up uh, more often because I was aware of it, not just in reviews about my own work, but in other negative reviews about other people's work. And they talk so often about the writing. And in, in many cases, these are authors that I'm familiar with their work, and I know that they're very strong writers. I know that I'm a strong writer. Whether somebody likes my story or likes my style, it's a whole other thing. They can't stand my characters. That's all well and good. But I know one of the few potentially conceited things you'll ever hear come <laughs> out of my mouth is I'm a damn good writer. Um, and and I, I really have an understanding of how to manipulate language, not just the actual words on the page, but the order that those words go in and the order that the sentences go in. And sometimes it, I, I deliberately break grammar rules for, for cadence and other things. I don't have bad writing, <laughs> okay? So that makes me go, I could just read it and go, oh, this person's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. But I start to think about it, and I realize that for a lot of people who complain about the writing in a book, they're not actually talking about the writing. They're not talking about the specific order of words on the page. And in this particular case, I think the reviewer was referring to one of the Jack and Jill books. And so I 
reading, you know, stepping beyond the actual way that they described what they didn't like, I realized that what they were really talking about was the the style, the story, the way the story was structured. They don't didn't like the or they they choked on whatever. I'm putting words into their mouth as the way that I interpreted what they were saying. They choked on the sparseness of prose. In other words, I don't spend a lot of time going into a subject. Um, I'll I'll give the the bare minimum that needs to know, tell you what the character, where the character's coming from and move on. And the pieces of the puzzle are all there. But if you're skimming or... um, if you're caught up in the pace of the story and reading for to find out what happens, you're going to miss a lot because I don't belabor the subject. And so there's a there's a certain um, a sparse. I want to say sparsity, but I don't think that that's the word. That's not a real word. But there's just there's not a lot of filler and there's not a lot of uh, just flat out telling you what's going on. You have to deduce it. You have to 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 catch it, to pick it up on where the characters are coming from. So somebody could say, oh, I don't like the writing, but they're not talking about the writing. They're talking about what's going into the writing. They could say this author's writing style was very choppy. They're not talking about the writing style. They're talking about the story structure and how the, um, the, the, the perspectives would jump from character to character. And so it it got me thinking about how, I mean, I've always said that there's valuable feedback in negative feedback because it's going to give you a sense of what's working for people and what's not. But it, it can be easy to miss it if you're not speaking the same language. And when you, when you live in a particular uh, industry. In this case, it's writing, but if you're a medical professional or or whatever, and someone tries to converse with you about your specialty but doesn't have that same uh, vocabulary about that specialty as you do, then you end up talking about two different things. And And I've seen it a lot in this current pandemic when people who are not medical try to write about virology and whatever, and they use the wrong terms for things, you can see the, the it's like almost like two sides are coming at it and they hit a, a glass wall between them and, they, and they, can't, they can't get any closer than that because they're not speaking the same language. And I think that's what's going on a lot of times when people leave negative reviews, they're not actually reviewing the thing that you think they're reviewing. And so that's what brought this topic to me is people complain about, oh, I didn't like the writing. What does that mean to you as an author? Is there something wrong with your writing? Is your writing not good enough? No, especially not if you've been through editors and, you know, copy editors and you've gone the route, whether traditionally or on your own of of getting, you know, beta readers and everything else. There's likely not anything wrong with the writing, you know, typos aside, they always, you know, find a way to get into there. But it's it's something else that's bothering. So what is writing? What do, they, what do people mean when they say they didn't like the writing? And if you can decipher that, it actually can, there actually can be value in the critique. Whether it's worth, uh, whether it means anything to you or not is a whole other 
story. When somebody tells me they don't like that, 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 you know, the writing was just really, really poor writing. And I go, oh, they're not talking about the writing because they couldn't be that clueless. Uh, they're talking about, you know, story structure or whatever. I go, okay, well, fine. They didn't like it. I'm not going to change it because that's how these stories are meant to be structured. There is no other, absolutely no other way to tell these stories except the way that they are told. I dare anybody to try. <laughs> and so I can let it go. And I go, all right, well, that's that. So for me, the issue of what, what does it actually mean when people say, they didn't like the writing ties into the subject of the question that so many authors ask themselves of, is my writing good enough? Right. And that takes us back to the, the, the main question. What is writing? When you ask yourself, is my writing good enough? What are you actually talking about? Are you talking about the words on the page, your use of language, your vocabulary, the way that you articulate things? Or are you talking about, does my story have enough depth? Do my characters feel real? Um, it, does this, is this story compelling? And those are not writing questions at all. Your writing is probably great. What you really want to know is all those other things. And by figuring out what writing actually means to you, then you're able to actually separate the issues and focus in on what it is you really need to know and then get look look for help exactly in those specific areas versus just stressing about are you good enough does this suck what is this what is the this that you're worried about sucking you know and when you can when you can separate that and define it then you actually have a path towards answers and towards um, figuring out what's working and what's not working. As you were talking uh, just in general about re reviews and what we can learn from reviews, one of the things that I see in reviews of books, and a lot of times these will be in five-star reviews, will be, I really love this book, great story, not a lot of junk, which means not a lot of description and things like that. And then you'll see other... For some people, great writing is just story, just action, 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 just the story flowing on. And if you describe something, you better not use more than a sentence or you've just slowed the pace down. For other people, it's there's 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 no emotion. There's no there's no inner dialogue. There's no thought. There's just action. This is terrible writing. Um, and then you've got the whole thing you've talked about before where people like, I don't like to read books by women because whatever. I just, that's bad writing. If it comes from a woman, it's bad writing. Um, it, it, we all have these built-in biases and every so often, like last week when you read the, the you read the back cover material for, for uh, Julia's, Julia, yeah, Julia's book, when I first read that, it had the word atmospheric in it, I think. And for me, that means lots of detail. That's code for lots of detail. So my first thought was, oh, this book isn't for me because it's going to have lots of detail. I don't know whether that's true or not. And I was intrigued enough by what you had to say about the book that I want to read it. But 
that's just kind of a thing for me. If there's too much detail in some stories, it takes me out of the story. But in other stories where it's these are just like slice of life type stories and it's just all about the character, you want the detail, like the the globe in Nero Wolf's office. You want you want them to talk about that in every single book. You want that okay, detail. So I'm like I I'm inter- I got to interrupt here. Okay. You, it, this is so dovetails in to the 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 topic of you know what does writing actually mean? What does detail actually mean? Because when you say you want you don't want too much detail, do you actually mean description, or do you mean inner life? Both. Because. Yeah, it, for me, I, and I, I don't mean, I'm, and when, I, when I'm saying these things, this is not just me because I like all kinds of writing, and I, I like rich atmospheric writing, and I like really sparse, fast-paced stuff. It just kind of depends on the story. If you, if you take a really fast-paced story and try and make it atmospheric and put a lot of description in it, then that might be the recipe for failure for me as a reader. But if it's a, if it's a, you know, three days in New York and something bad happens, um, you know, you need all of those rich details to, to, to tie it all together. And I'm, I'm really doing a poor job of explaining this, but the point is that it's different for everybody. And for me as a reader, I read enough, I, I read the top-rated reviews, both the good ones and the bad ones, to see if I might like the book. And I can read, like, those code words that people use in reviews and go, oh, yeah. I mean, they gave this a three-star, but for me, this would be a five-star because I like the stuff that they're complaining about, and they really like the story. And that's assuming that you're both – you're speaking the same language as yes. the person. Like, yes. you have the same interpretation or the same meaning of what those words are. The the hilarious thing, really, when it comes to reviews, though, is that you can have, like, two two-star reviews back-to-back where one says, this was all action, no heart. And then the next one will say, we just spent too much time in these characters' heads. There was no action. The story <laughs> moved so slow. Uh-huh. And that – it, I mean, now, before it used to just stress me, but now it just makes me laugh because that is case in point about how two people can look at the exact same thing and have two completely different um, reactions yeah. or and the writing can it. be flawless, but there are going to be a lot of people that don't like that style of writing. Right. You don't like that style of storytelling or that style of... Uh, or or the writing is too verbose in their eyes or whatever but the 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 main point being that when you when you look at these things or that when you're looking at your own stuff and you're having doubts or you're hearing the criticisms of others is to before you internalize it before you take it upon yourself to think that things are one way is to make sure you actually really understand what it is that's being said because if you hear somebody, and this happened to me when I was uh, very new, and it, especially when when the information is first came out, I I just I had never read negative reviews before. I had no idea that there was this whole world of people who <laughs> all they did was like find things to be critical of, and worse that they would ascribe intent to what I did 
without even knowing me, like be completely wrong and accuse me of things I didn't do, wasn't even thinking because I don't know, they were projecting or whatever. So I had no idea, none. And so for a few months there, when the information is first launched, it was very much live by the review, die by the review. You know, every, depending on what the late, and there were a lot of reviews, and depending on what the latest one was, it could be a, a really great review, but there'd be like one line in it that criticized something. And, and all I could read was that one line, right? But now that I've you know, my, my skin is so thick. <laughs> I need, need to get some of those calluses off. Um, I can actually look at what they're saying objectively. And I realized that part of the reason that there was so much anguish for me at, at the time was because I was, didn't, I was internalizing the words in a way they were not meant to be. Like they would be criticizing one thing and I would hear it as something else. Like instead of you know, well, the author used some purple prose. I hear you're a bad writer. And so, and, and I, I didn't have confidence in my writing. I, I, did, I had no confidence in whether I was any good or not or anything. The reviews were telling me, yes, you're good or no, you're not good. And, and I would believe them completely at face value. But if I, at the time, had had a better understanding, not just a thicker skin, and, the, and, and a better understanding of myself, but a better understanding of the way words can mean different things to different people. And that when somebody says this story sucks, they might actually be thinking these characters don't measure up to other characters that I love that this has been compared against. You can separate. You can separate the issues and take them for what they are instead of being overwhelmed and thinking, oh, I went to this critique group and this person told me that my writing really needs work and I'm just terrible and I don't even know why I'm still doing this if after all this time my writing still sucks so bad. Well, maybe your writing doesn't suck so bad. Maybe what they meant by saying your writing still needs work is the characters didn't feel as real as they could have been, right? So it's not your writing needs work. You need to work on your characterization. That is specific it's measurable. It's something you can tackle as an issue versus just the writing was bad. You know, I think a good corollary is is movies. And we've all had the experience of movies come out and you go, eh, that doesn't look like it would be, I, I would enjoy it. And then all of a sudden the Academy Award nominations come out and it, it gets a zillion nominations and it wins. And you go, okay, I, it's got to be amazing. I'm going to go see this movie. And you go see it and you go, that was awful. And it, you know, it wasn't awful. It just wasn't right for you. But I, yeah. used, I used to come out of those movies going, what's wrong with me that this great movie that I can't see what's so great about it? And, and now it's like, well, you know, because I like Batman and this was a character study of a, a woman <laughs> growing plants. <laughs> yeah. But the, the fun thing is when you get to know a person's reading style or what they like, then you can recommend books to them and they will like them almost all the time. And it's the same with movies. Like you recommended Taylor this movie called The Accountant about a year and a half ago. 
Mm-hmm. And I watched that movie. It's like, oh my gosh, this movie's amazing. And I just wanted to tell everybody how great it was. <laughs> and, but it's the kind of thing that you, you watch the preview. It's like, eh, I'm not going to like that. It looks kind of dark and creepy. And that's not for me. But then when I watched it, it's like, that's amazing. Uh, the Accountant is a really good example of going back to the issue of what does this mean? What does writing mean? What does description mean? You know, and, and seeing through it is that one of the reasons that movie did not do as well as it did is because it advertised itself or it portrayed itself as being what it wasn't. It portrayed itself, or at least the, the marketing and the trailers for it portrayed it as being more akin to your typical bang, bang, shoot em up, spy, whatever movie. And it's not. It's not that at all. And so it's it's that sense of, are you speaking the same language? And if you go into it thinking it's going to be one thing, if you're going to see it for a bang, bang, shoot em up, and then that's not what you get, you're disappointed. So it's it's it kind of tie that that's a really good example that ties into learning to understand what it is that people are criticizing or when you're looking to improve to be able to cite in to narrow in on what actually it is you're concerned about the 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 actual meaning behind the words Yes, and it, it can be challenging to decipher those sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, it really can. Um, it can, but just don't let it overwhelm you in the sense of, you know, oh, this writing, your writing is bad. That doesn't mean you're a bad writer. It doesn't mean even that your writing is bad. It could just mean the person just didn't dig your writing style, your, your, the way that you tell your stories, the way your story was constructed or whatever. To be able to, it, it, it takes time to learn to, to see that. But it, if you don't even know from the beginning that it's something that you need to see, you only can learn it through hard knocks and experience and a lot of grief. But if somebody tells you straight up that, hey, when somebody says that your writing sucks, they might not actually be talking about your writing. It might be actually something else. Then you you actually have the ability from the beginning to go, oh, wait, wait, is this... is is it really my writing that sucks? So yeah, the topic of this whole thing was, you know, what does writing really mean? And it, it kind of branches off into other forms of ways that we use to describe the projects that we're working on, the specific criteria or the specific uh, tools that we use within the projects that we're working on, and to be able to to really understand what it is people are saying when they're telling us, hey, that's not working. All right, but this show was working, and we have worked our way to the end. We thank you guys for listening. We hope you're doing well and staying safe out there, and we will be back in your ear next Tuesday. See you guys next week. <laughs>